0: Hey, good evening. It's uh, Wednesday night. Uh, we're getting ready for our, our final uh, Bible study. I'm in a little bit different spot today for our final one. I'm I'm recording this Bible study uh, in a uh, in my office. So I uh, kick back in my chair, got my cup of coffee. Um, looks kind of like kind of like our morning devotionals, sort of kind of. So uh, here we are as we finish our final Bible study of uh of this spring semester, you know, and my my great hope, my great anticipation, is that um, when we gather together for Bible study in the fall, August of this year, it'll be in person. It'll be here at the church. Uh, we'll be having a Wednesday night live meals, and in, in, in person, we'll be um, be uh, having Bible study in person. That's my great my great hope, my great anticipation. Um, so i, I I'm, I'm looking forward. Uh, to those days. It's been fun to be with you for Bible study this semester. I've done some interesting th- things that I've enjoyed studying, uh, but I'm looking forward in the coming uh, months to having actual conversation in Bible study. Bible study always, work, always works better when there's conversation. So I miss you. I miss not being with you on Wednesdays. It's been a, been a long time. I've not done an in-person Bible study in over a year now. That's maybe about the longest I've gone, about that, uh, an actual congregational bible study i've got sunday school and i've got other small groups but uh, i miss being with y'all and discussing uh, god's word together so um thanks for being with us on these wednesday nights for listening some of y'all listen to the podcast that i post as well so thanks for uh thanks for being a part and uh it's been fun to be with y'all uh, these last uh these last few months uh i do invite you to worship with us sunday uh, looking forward to worship i hope you um on our email list and got the, um, the, the email about the relaxing of our, our protocols for um, worship together. Uh, our 11 o'clock traditional service will be a mask optional service. Um, we, we do ask you to mask when we, when we sing, but um, that's about it. Um, uh, we do ask you to wear a mask when uh, you're out in common areas, places like that, but I won't be preaching with a mask on um, choir will be seen without a mask. We're, we're looking forward to that. Intersection will be, have more structure to it because there's a lot more interplay and interaction there. So we, and then our 830 service will be masked though. That way there's gonna be a masked option for people who really um, desire that. mask masks are optional, you're welcome to wear one. We're just gonna give people the ability to, um, to remove theirs if they would so choose to. Um, in, in that in that service, so I'm um, looking forward to um, worshiping together with you Sunday. Uh, it's gonna be a great day. Had a great Mother's Day. Uh, looking forward to um looking forward to worship uh, with the people of God this coming Sunday and having Sunday school. Um, just can't wait. So uh, make make your plans to be with us uh, Sunday uh, for worship here at St. Matthews. Um, we've been talking in these last six weeks, kind of as as we looked at um. What our, our, we would study together um, in this end of the semester study, kind of the top six things I thought were most important. We talked about uh, the first two weeks, we talked about um, creation, how humans were made good and made in the image of God. And uh, that's Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Then we looked at the fall, Genesis 3 and then Romans 8 that gives some additional context to show, show the effect of sin and the effect of the fall upon us as humans. So the first, the first uh, two weeks were kind of the reality of who we, who we are as humans. We're made in God's image. We're made in the image of God. Every one of us, every, you'll never meet a person in your life who's not an image bearer. Uh, everyone is made in God's image. But then also by the same token, everybody, everybody's sinful. We've all fallen. We're all fallen creatures. We've all, it's uh, not just that we have committed sins, it's that we are sinful. We are fallen. We are the what um, what C.S. Lewis calls the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. That that's who we are. So the first two weeks were kind of who we are. The next two weeks were kind of, um, this is this is not the best, this is not an accurate statement per se, but it kind of makes sense to think of it this way. The next two weeks were what was God's response to our sinfulness? To to say it was God's response would be to imply that God was unaware, God was not sovereign and God was not aware of our sinful choice. Of course God knew it was gonna happen. Scripture tells us in the Bible that Jesus Christ is the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world so god knew what we would do as humans um god knew what adam and eve would do so he was not caught off guard by their sin um we we're, we know that but uh but it is helpful to think of it this way uh the next two weeks we're to think about god's response to our sins uh, god's response to our sins and so uh the first the first of the response was the cross or christ atoned for our sins uh we see uh all throughout the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, the covenants, and how sin is to be atoned for. So we see that in Jesus, that he atoned for our sins. So uh, we see that uh, first in, 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 in the atonement in the cross, sin is atoned for, sin is paid for. No more does sin hold sway over us as humans. So that was the first response. But then the second response was the uh, empty grave, that in the cross, the power of sin was defeated that sin no longer has hold. But in the empty grave, the power of death was defeated because the consequence of sin is death. So through the cross and to the grave, both sin and death are taken care of. And they are no more. No longer as Christians must we be afraid of sin. No more as Christians must must we be afraid of death. But in the cross and the grave, Jesus Christ has taken care of both of those. So the the response to our sin was the redemption of God through Christ Jesus. That was how God responded to that. The last two weeks we're looking at uh, kind of the next two things moving forward. Uh, first is the church. We talked last week about the importance of the church, the importance of being part of a church, how as imperfect as the church is, it is the body of Christ. And we all need the church. We all need the body. It's an important thing for all of us to be part of. So we talked of the church and the purpose of the church, what the church is about. And today we're going to talk about the return of Christ. We're going to talk about his uh, about his return And uh, what that what that means. So uh, today we're going to look primarily at Revelation is where we're going to spend most of our time. Most of our time tonight, we're going to look at at Revelation. Um, I've been here at St. Matthews for this June will complete my sixth year here at this church, and I've always in previous to St. Matthews the longest I've been in a church was five years. I was at five years uh, in the Delta. I was there for five years, and then I was five years in Pedal. So uh, this will be the longest I've, I've. been at a church in my ministry, and hopefully have many more good years <clears throat> here at St. Matthews. But um, I joked that um, that I would not teach the book of Revelation till I've been in a church for over five years, and so uh, I had some friends uh, kind of take me up on that. So, well, you say after five years, you'd, uh, you teach Revelation. So, um, so I, 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 I have not yet decided to teach a class on Revelation. But there's a lot of folks who know a lot more about it than I do. But we are going to talk tonight about the concept of the return of Christ and what that means to our faith and what the book of Revelation has to do within that. But um, let's talk quickly about the return of Christ and why, that, why this is a big deal. Uh, we mentioned last week one of the truths that Scripture uh, is the story of covenants and Scripture is the story, of frankly, of God through covenant undoing the effect of sin, and how scripture finds itself in many ways with um, with uh, symmetrical realities. So just as we've said before, how the Tower of Babel, uh, how, how Pentecost Sunday rather, is the undoing of the Tower of Babel. Um, on, uh, on, on, at Babel, uh, one, one people entered in and they left as many, speaking many different languages, but at Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the many groups entered in and came out hearing one gospel preached. So because of sin, the one became many. Because of the Holy Spirit, the many became one. That's how, and you see that concept all throughout Scripture in that, through the covenants and through the work of God, that God undoes the effect of sin and the effect of the fall. And so um, I want to read to you um, part of the last the last part of Revelation. By the way, something, uh, I had a friend used to always point this out. Always remember that Revelation is the book of Revelation. It's not Revelations, it's Revelation. It is the Revelation of John. So, um, always, uh, that was a pet peeve to this friend of mine. She'd always get upset when people would call it Revelations. It's not Revelations, it's Revelation. The Revelation of John. So, we're going to look at uh, Revelation uh, chapter 22. The last uh, chapter. Um in the book, where it says this Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb to the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river, there is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing fruit each month. and The leaves of the tree are healing or for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night, for they need no lamp. No, they need no light, nor lamp, nor sun, for the Lord God will be their light. He will reign forever and ever. He said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. For the Lord God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angels to show his servants what must soon take place. See, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps, who keeps these words, the prophecies of this book. So, we see this uh, in, in chapter 21, which is before that. We see the new heaven and the new earth. Chapter 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the, new, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so we see the new Jerusalem come down from heaven. And then we see in chapter 22, the, the river flowing from the throne of God with the tree of life about it. So let's think about uh, how the Bible starts. It starts in a garden, tree of life, hemmed in by rivers. Remember that? How does the Bible end? Well, it ends in the New Jerusalem with a river flowing. Instead Instead of a river hemming in the kingdom, now this river flows down the middle of it. We see once again the tree of life. This time, it's not to be hidden, but it's there for the healing of the nations. We see now that in Revelation 22, we see the undoing of what had happened in Genesis 3. We see the reverse of the fall and the reverse of the curse. And that all things now are restored and renewed in the second coming. In fact, I want to kind of you know when we talked of um, about the effect of the fall in week two, I read from Romans eight, and I want to go back and read from Romans eight again because I think this is this is really important for us to hear because this talks about the effect of the fall and what's going to happen. This is Romans eight, chapter eighteen. I'm sorry, Romans eight, verse eighteen. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from the bondage of decay, or will obtain the freedom for, of the glory of the children of God. We know that all of creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. Not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for the adoption and the redemption of our bodies. For not hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what is seen? We hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. So it says here that all creation is groaning as if in pains of childbirth for its redemption. Because It says creation was subjected to futility, not by its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hopes, uh, in hope of the creation will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom, the glory of the children of God. So we see, as we said, and we talked about the fall, that in the fall all of creation became fallen, and that the world is not ordered the way it should be; that the world is disordered, that it's imperfect and not as it ought to be. We see that. We see that here, but we also see is we we see that um, we see that creation is groaning for its redemption, and that what happened in the fall will be reversed and will be restored through the second coming. That creation is groaning for its redemption creation's groaning for what will happen when the Lord returns. Because when the Lord returns, he's going to set all things right. He's going to make all things as they should be. He's going to make things correct and holy and just. He's going to restore what sin has corrupted. We see in Isaiah, if we were to go back to reading Isaiah, we see there that beautiful passage where it says that the lion will lay down with the lamb. And that's a great example because now if the lion lays with the lamb, the lion's gonna eat the lamb. That, that lion's getting lamb lions get lamb chops for supper, you know. But in eternity, when the Lord's returned, the lion will lay down with the lamb. The child will stick his hand in the snake hole and not be bit. We'll take our swords and beat them in a plowshares. I mean, that's what's gonna happen in eternity. So the effect of the fall, the effect of sin, the effect of corruption, the effect of all these things, it will be undone. And so the second coming, when the Lord returns, he restores all that sin has taken. He restores all that sin has corrupted. He restores what happened originally in the fall. That's what the second coming ultimately is about. And so here's why I think the book of Revelation is important um, in a lot of ways. But the book of Revelation is um, its a confusing book. That's one of the reasons why I've, I've never really taught it much and why I don't really t- talk a lot about it now is because it is pretty confusing. There's a lot of things in Revelation that I don't understand. A lot of things in Revelation that a lot of us don't understand. Um, Jesus Christ says, no man knows the hour or date. Not even not even him. Only the Father knows the hour of his return. So I think that as, uh, as Christians throughout the ages, sometimes we spent way too much time trying to figure that out. Um, and You know, I've heard the old line, sometimes we're so heaven-minded that we're no earthly good. Um, And so I've never been one to fixate a whole lot on Revelation because I figure there have been a lot of folks smarter than me in human history. And none of them have correctly understood Revelation. So I think the chances of Andy Stoddard figuring it out are actually quite low. Um, So that's one reason why I've never spent a whole lot of time there. Uh, I feel like there's a lot. I feel like for me, it's a better use of my time to figure out how to love my neighbor and love my God. Than it is for me to play guessing games about the Lord's return. So I don't know when He's going to return. I I, I don't know. I mean, talking to a guy here who used to work at a Christian bookstore, we sold all those Left Behind books. Remember those? You know, we sold all of them, and we just all knew it was a matter of time. We just knew it. I mean, I remember, I remember how Lindsay, remember how Lindsey and the late great Planet Earth. Those of you who don't know what who what how Lindsay, how Lindsey is. I don't remember the book, The Late Great Planet Earth. You ought to, you ought to Google it. Uh, he was, he kept trying to get the, the date right uh, when the Lord was going to return, and he went through several revisions about uh, when the date was going to be, and he uh, he kept kept striking out. So um, that's a dangerous game when you start trying to guess these things. Uh, that's one reason why I've, never, why I've never spent a whole lot of time on Revelation because what it typically devolves into is, well, are the locusts in Chapter 7 Russian helicopters? Stuff like that. You know, I've heard those sermons before. That's just not something that interests me because that's all speculation. And none of us know. None of us have gotten it right. None of us know. And so why why speculate on things that we're never going to figure out anyway? But here's why I do think the book of Revelation is important. Well, I think, frankly, right now as Christians, it's a book that we need. Because let's talk about what's happening in the, in the original time of the book of Revelation. Um, the book of Revelation... The early church was facing pre- tremendous persecution and tremendous problems all around. Me of the religious leaders of the day were persecuting the church. Of course, the Roman government was persecuting the church. The church in that day, the Christians in that day, were facing a lot of opposition, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. You know, if you go back and look at uh, history, you know Nero, uh, Nero once um, once lit his entire garden. By tying up Christians and using Christians as human torches. I um, mean, we saw we see that the church in that day faced a lot of persecution and faced a lot of trouble. So the Christians of that day, of the, of the day of Revelation, were facing a lot of opposition, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of loss, a lot of all these things. A lot of martyrdom. That's why you see Revelation mentioned martyrdom a lot. A lot of Christians are being martyred or being killed for their faith. So we see that. And, so, and it's very easy for these Christians. When they're in the middle of all this, to think that God's forgotten them. To think that God has given up on them. To think that God's not there. To think that God doesn't care. To think that God is absent. And Revelation is a book of hope that's written to these churches saying, Hey guys, guess what? God's not forgotten. God's not absent. God's not blind to your pain. God is fully and totally aware. God knows what you're going through. God's not forgotten you. God's not abandoning you. God's not giving up on you. God's there. God's there. God is for you. And God will in time make right what has been taken. God will in time make right what is going on. And yes, it may look like Babylon now will forever be in charge. And it may look like now, like Babylon will forever destroy the church. It may look like now, like the church will forever be oppressed by the forces of evil in this world. That's how it may look like. But the book of Revelation is written to these Christians. Who are under great persecution, and under great pain, and under great hurt, saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God sees. God knows. God's aware of what you're going through. God has not forsaken you. God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. God is with you, even in this difficult time, this difficult moment. He has not forgotten you. Don't give up. The book of Revelation is a book of hope to Christians who are suffering. It's a book of of hope to Christians who are afraid. It's a book of hope to Christians who who are about ready to quit. Because all they saw in this life was persecution. All they saw in this life was pain. All they saw in this life was abandonment. All they saw in this life was fear and hurt. So this This book of Revelation was a book that is written to a church that is getting its doors blown off by the world, by culture, by Rome, and God saying, I've not forgotten you. I've not forsaken you. I've not abandoned you. I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not alone. Don't give up. You're not alone. That's what Revelation is. Revelation is a book of hope. To Christians in a hopeless situation in a hopeless world you think we might need that now you think that may be a, a helpful thing for us to hear as Christians in a world where sometimes we feel out of step in a world we feel sometimes like we're out of place in a world where it may be difficult sometimes a world where it may be hard Yeah. This is a book that says God's got it. God sees. God's aware. God will protect his church and God will protect his people. So you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to give in to darkness or fear or hate or doubt or any of these things. Because God sees. God sees. God is not blind to the suffering or the hurt or the fear of his people, but God sees, God's aware, and God will intervene. So do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The book of Revelation is a book of hope to a people in desperate need of hope. It's a book of comfort to a people in desperate need of comfort. The book of strength to people in desperate need of strength. This actually revelation is not a scary book like we sometimes feel like it is, but it's a book of great hope for a world and for a church in need of hope. So, for us now as Christians, we know we live two thousand years past the Lord's resurrection. You know, we're two thousand years out. It's easy for us to give up hope. To think always oh, never gonna get better. Or this world's gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse. Or to do the other thing and try to guess when he's coming. I don't know when he's coming, y'all. I mean, every day he tarries, it's just mercy. Because Every day he tarries, more folks can hear about Jesus. And so we should we should pray for his tarrying. That's um, that's mercy. That is mercy. But we must revelation reminds us this world's not our home. This world's not our home. We're not gonna be here on this earth forever. This world's not our home. We have a better place, a higher home, a higher calling, and we can trust in that. So we have hope. No matter how dark things may look now, no matter how bad it may feel now, no matter how, how awful things may look all around us, we have hope because one day the Lord will return. One day he will return. He will make all things right. And one day we'll see the new Jerusalem come down. And one day there will be a, th- a river coming from the throne of God. And one day the tree of life will be in our midst. It will be for the healing of the nations. And one day there will be no more sickness, pain, and death. And one day it says there will be no more sea. The reason why there will be no more sea is because the Israelites were afraid of the sea. So in the Bible, so in, in, the, in the book of Revelation where it says there's no more sea, that that doesn't just mean there's no more water. Because who knows about that? That's I mean, there's a river coming from the throne of God. What it means most of all there symbolically symbolically is that that thing that you're afraid of, it's not going to be there. The Israelites are typically afraid of the sea. We see that in this, there's no more sea. There's no more night. The reason why there's no more nights, because nights when the bad guys come out and kill you. You have to be afraid. The book of Revelation tells us that all these things that we're afraid of, all these things that we fear, all these things that rob our joy and our peace, and maybe even our life, maybe even rob our lives. As Christians, they don't have hold over us. They don't have power over us. for we serve a resurrected Savior, he's going to return. He's going to return. He's going to make all things right. He's going to make all things right. He is. He is. So don't be afraid. Have hope. Revelation is a book of hope. The return of Christ is about hope going to be okay. Don't give in to the fear. Don't give into the doubt. Don't give in to the darkness of this moment. Stand strong in your hope. Stand strong in your faith. Stand strong in your courage and God will be with us. Hey, thanks for watching these Bible studies. I hope you've enjoyed them. I hope they've contributed to your faith in some, some way, shape, or form. I've enjoyed uh, being there and doing these with you um, these last uh, few months. Like I said, looking forward to in the coming months being able to be back in person again for Bible study. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, come worship with us Sunday, uh, eight thirty uh, traditional worship, eleven o'clock traditional, eleven o'clock intersection. We'll have drive in at ni- we'll have drive in at nine o'clock as well. So I uh, hope you can uh, join us for one of these services. It's gonna be a great day here in the house of the Lord. Thanks for being part of our Bible study this year, and uh, we'll see you uh, see you Sunday. Thanks for being with us tonight.